Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Ceci Bonsi, the founder and CEO of Blue. You may remember Blue from the Finnovate stage a couple years back. Ceci, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate having you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Greg. So as a way of getting started, can you give us just a little bit of a background on Blue and where you're coming from in the space? Absolutely. Um, so at Blue, our mission is really to democratize payments so that merchants and customers have accessibility and flexibility and autonomy in the way they choose to exchange value with one another. And so for us, we look at payments like this, like payments are a choice. And we are living in a world where merchants and customers are no longer bound to the traditional means of payment. And by virtualizing payment acceptance, um, we allow merchants and customers of any size to you know, accept payments and exchange payments on any operating platform using any new or existing payment hardware that they have in their hands. Excellent. So now we're talking about a company that specializes in payments, obviously democratizing access through payments. But what the what we're what we're really going to talk about on this episode is blockchain and cryptocurrency specifically, and how those solutions are having a big impact in areas like financial inclusion and wealth de- wealth redistribution. That's a mouthful. Um, so let's let's start by just getting your high level thoughts because these are two pieces which wouldn't necessarily seem related, but we'd like to tie them together. So uh, can you give us just a quick insight? into how you think about financial inclusion and wealth redistribution as a function of cryptocurrency. Yeah, absolutely. This is a really exciting topic for me and something that's very near and dear to my heart. And and something I tell a lot of people is that the single most important thing you can be doing for wealth creation right now is entering into the cryptocurrency space and and getting involved and doing your research and buying crypto. Uh, And the, the fundamental reason for that is because it's a finite resource. And when you look traditionally at how wealth was created um, you know, uh, across this, uh, this world, it's from finite resources, you know, land, oil, gas, minerals, um, you know, agriculture, you know, farming, uh, lumber. And from those assets, they become collateral. And from that collateral, you can lend against to, you know, to buy real estate or to open up a business or to invest in stock and, and thereby you know, have assets to pass down for you know, future generations. And so when you look at, you know, in this time that, that we're shifting into a digital asset scenario, I think, uh, you know, cryptocurrency has a tremendous opportunity to open up those avenues and those lanes for, um, for people who have traditionally been kept out of these institutions um, to create, you know, wealth for themselves. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. When you look at it as a finite resource and you kind of compare it to those other really tangible resources, it starts to become a more compelling case. I think the big piece too that's really interesting is if you look at the people within financial technology or maybe the financial uh, re- the financial industry more broadly, the people who tend to advocate against cryptocurrency as an investment player, the people for whom the current system works well, the people who have access to mm-hmm. traditional types of investment opportunities, who are able to buy real estate, who are able to you know, invest in the stock market and pay you know, the minimum balance fees and things like that. Um, and, and what we're talking about here is something that's really 
you know, broadly accessible. Anybody can buy it. You know, you and I are talking before we got on the call here about anybody who has a, a email address or a phone number can do this. And there's something that's really cool about that um, and the ability that it has for people to be able to get into the market and have access to the market. Now, let's make the connection back to Blue because as a payments company, how does this impact you? What are you doing to kind of get the most out of this trend, this idea that you know cryptocurrency really can help people out and ex- increase access to these types of financial tools. Absolutely, absolutely. So for us, by virtualizing the point of transaction or or virtualizing the payment experience itself, we're actually opening up the possibilities for merchant and customer to exchange whatever it is they want to pay with. So for instance, if I want to you know pay in fiat, you know through my my mobile application. And the merchant wants to accept that Bitcoin or, or Dogecoin or XRP, what we're doing is really facilitating that payment transaction, authorizing that transaction at, at the you know, point of sale, and then you know, settling it with our partners on the back end through you know, the wallet partners and the exchanges that we work with. And so we're really creating this you know, cross-currency, cross-border um, transactional experience that doesn't exist. And, and we do that by removing the, those barriers, those traditional barriers to that payment experience happening by, you know, removing the need for a physical card or a physical payment terminal. You you can literally use the device you already have in your hand or, you know, a tablet you have in your hand on any operating system anywhere in the world using our technology to facilitate, you know, real-time crypto transactions. So basically the idea is we'll help you make a payment with anything, whatever you want to pay, we can help you do that. Now on the back end, that has to be a massive undertaking. Can you give us just a, a quick idea of how that happens? Because the idea, I think that's probably something that's really daunting to a lot of people as they try to imagine what type of structure it takes to be able to facilitate those payments in whatever currency people want. Absolutely. And so for us, we we focus on providing a really seamless and efficient front-end experience. And we don't want the merchant and customer to understand you know, what it takes on the back-end to be able to make those different connections to the multiple different payment gateways, multiple different exchanges, the encryption, um, you know, the device activation, device security that has to go into making that transaction. Um, we wanna do that heavy lifting. And we want to make it as simple as you, you know, showing your face or or scanning your finger, entering a PIN number, and having that, uh, you know, that transaction happen in the cloud. Um, and so that's really been the heavy lifting for us over the last several years is building out that infrastructure, you know, building out that, that technology stack to be able to plug into all of the different exchanges and wallets and you know mobile banking applications and, and alternative applications on the market and, and be able to create that seamless experience on the front end. Um, so we, we enjoy it. Uh, it's exciting for us and, and it keeps us at the forefront of what's happening. You know, every new development in the payment space, we have to be, um, we have to be ahead of because, you know, we want to be able to plug in however people want to exchange value. We want to be able to, to support that with our technology. Uh, this seems like a good time to mention that you can take a look at uh, Blue's Finnovate presentation from a couple of years back at finnovate.com slash videos. You can see where they were at then. And obviously they've had a couple of years since that demo to continue building to get an idea of you know, just how robust the backend really is. But I want to come back to another piece here. When you talk about making payments and taking payments in cryptocurrencies, one of the questions that immediately gets brought up is, you know, how do you deal with the volatility? The idea that, you know, if I get paid in Bitcoin, you know, two weeks ago, and then all of a sudden, you know, where we're at right now, uh, the price has dropped dramatically. So the amount of Bitcoin that I'm holding is, even though you paid me what seemed like a fair amount a couple of weeks ago, now it seems like it's dramatically less. 
how do you deal with that volatility from a payment standpoint and sort of separate out the kind of investment, the speculation aspect of it to make it really function as a payments tool? Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, that question is, is interesting because when you look at the current fiat markets in emerging um, uh, countries, emerging geographies, they deal with this type of volatility, you know, on a daily basis. These things, these large swings happen in their own countries. I mean, if you're looking at even Nigeria or, or some Latin American countries, we're talking maybe 10, 11% in a matter of weeks. So price volatility is already inherent in our current um, system. And I think as you increase the volume and you increase the level of trust within the, the uh, crypto payments environment, you're not going to see these huge swings in volatility. You're going to be moving from an asset class into actual currency class. And the more trust that people have that I can take your Bitcoin today and then turn around and, and spend it you know, and give it to my landlord tomorrow, we're not going to be seeing those, uh, those high volatility swings. And, and so the more people that get in, are actually, it's actually going to have a converse effect on, uh, on that volatility that, that people are questioning at the moment. Sure. No, I think that makes sense. And it's a really crucial point because it's something that you don't necessarily think of depending on what country you're living in. You know, if you're in the U.S. and you think about, you know, cryptocurrency volatility, you're thinking, well, the U.S. dollar is stable currency. And why am I going to risk doing something that's not that? But if you look, you know, at a broader global mindset, there is fluctuation in terms of what the U.S. dollar will buy you abroad. And to some extent, it doesn't really matter, right? If the U.S. dollar will get you a certain number of pounds or euros or yen or whatever the case may be, if you and everybody around you is using the US dollar, then what difference does it make what other currencies you can buy with it? It's what you're going to use to pay right now, which is a really interesting one. I do think though, and, and maybe you have some thoughts on this too, it does seem like there are some companies, particularly some large companies who publicly have said, we're going to take payments in Bitcoin, but then our plan is just to hold it and not necessarily to go and pay out with it. We're going to kind of use it as an investment tool ourselves as a way to sort of build up a war chest. Do you have thoughts on that? Do you, do you expect to see people kind of hoarding Bitcoin in that way, willing to take it, but then recognizing that long-term it's a really good investment vehicle. So maybe I'd be better off keeping it than spending it at whatever today's exchange rate actually is. Actually, I think, I think the strategy is, is now holding it as an asset, but you may start seeing, uh, you know, not whole Bitcoins, but fractions of Bitcoins being used to actually pay for goods and services. And so I think what they're, what they're really thinking about is that, you know, if we build up supply now, you know, in the future, the actual tangible asset or tangible currency that's going to be used are, are going to be fractions of that Bitcoin. And so, you know, they're building up their treasuries, but it's really just, a, honestly, for me, what I think it's, it's a cash play, right? It, it's, it's a cash play from the perspective that eventually this will actually be a legal tender that can be used. And right now, our focus is to get it into our coffers from a treasury perspective, because it's going to be, it's going to look like cash on hand in the future. That's a really interesting point. And that's one that I hadn't considered. So um, I, I love hearing that. Now, now, I'd like to switch gears and talk a little bit now from kind of a general sense, looking at other fintech founders, other types of fintech companies, what advice do you have for them as they think about their own cryptocurrency strategies? And you know, basically, what do they need to be doing now to kind of make sure they're future proof, but also taking advantage of the opportunities that are coming their way? Absolutely. I think the, the, the really important aspect of a fintech founder right now is you have to be thinking about what your strategy is for crypto. Um, you know, from, from a compliance you know, technology solution to a payroll solution to you know, a PFM solution, you have to be thinking, well, what is my crypto play here? How is this crypto going to be involved 
in the way I'm building out my product or my tool or the clients that I'm selling to, right? If, if businesses uh, and enterprises want to start paying their employees in crypto and you have an automated payroll platform, you have to figure out how am I going to be able to facilitate those uh, those those uh, salary payments or those payments to employees via my platform if they want to accept you know Bitcoin. And if you know your PFM and you're you know, have a chat bot or an AI bot that's, you know, telling customers how to invest and how to save their money. And uh, customers are looking into uh, the crypto space, looking to invest in the crypto space. You need to be building that into the way that you're designing that bot and designing that, uh, that technology. And then from a compliance perspective, you know, you're looking at financial institutions, you know, wholesale investors that are now have the crypto trading desks and, and how does that, uh, uh, compliance tool then set them up for success from a regulatory perspective with the new regulation that's going to be coming, you know, with this monetary revolution. So any fintech uh, founder that's building, you know, something for this industry, you, you have to be thinking about your, your crypto strategy. Even if it's one slide in your pitch deck, it's got to be there, right? Every investor, yeah. if they're, you know, an intelligent investor is going to say, you know, well, what's your, what's your strategy here? What's your strategy with, with crypto? No, I think I think it's a good point as well. And one of the things I want to come back to, you know, the statement you made initially when you're talking about what you've done at Blue and basically giving people the ability to choose whatever currency they want to interact with. And I think one of the fundamental things that is true in fintech, at least from my perspective, is that customers drive fintech forward and the individual people uh, are the ones who ultimately decide what's going to be successful and what's not. And so if you look at the adoption, the way that cryptocurrency is still being adopted, you know, it's not obviously widespread at the moment, but it's still steadily growing. You think what are customers going to want in the future and, and not even the distant future, but there are going to be more and more customers who are going to want to be able to engage with their cryptocurrency, be able to use it to pay with it to do whatever else they want to do with it. And so to your point, I think it is important for everybody, no matter what side of fintech you're in, to make sure that you are going to be able to take care of those customers, because ultimately that's what it's all about. It's about giving them the freedom, the flexibility to do what they want to do with whatever type of money they want to hold. And people who are really good at providing them those choices and those options, I think will make a lot of headway against people who aren't and who are limited in what they can do there. So um, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.